0: Welcome to the Mississippi Arts Hour. I'm Sarah Story, the Executive Director of the Mississippi Arts Commission. Today I'm visiting with Myrna Kali Lee, an internationally known costume designer, philanthropist, arts advocate, and patron. Myrna is also a recipient of our 2022 Governor's Arts Award for Excellence in Costume Design and Arts Patron. So, so excited that you're here, Myrna.
2: Great to be here. Back in, in my old stomping grounds.
0: Yes, I know. It's so nice that we get to actually speak in person. We're at the Mississippi Arts Commission offices in downtown Jackson right now.
2: Right. I love the spot. <laughs> <laughs>
0: it's, it's good. It's very good. So, i um, so excited to s- be able to celebrate you this year. You've been involved with so many things um, within Mississippi and beyond. But I thought we'd just start off about learning about your childhood where did you grow up where are you from
2: oh my <laughs> i'm a black college brat uh you know how they say army brat uh-huh. i've lived on uh, four different uh, hbcu campuses wow started out at um bethune cookman college in uh daytona beach florida mm. moved to prairie view texas for high school then moved back to north carolina um, to Greensboro and then I was going to Bennett to school and my parents were at a- A&T.
0: Wow. So were they professors?
2: Uh, my father was. My mother was a librarian. Oh, that's mm-hmm. great.
0: Well I bet that was always exciting to be in the college campus life growing up. What was that like?
2: It was fabulous. You know we had uh, so many things that the college kids did that we were part of and they were our student teachers. In the high school and babysitters, always small campuses. Uh, A A and T was probably the largest mm-hmm. at the time. I think Prairie View is larger now, actually. But that was uh, quite an experience to leave Florida and move to Texas.
0: Yeah, <laughs> where in Texas was it again?
2: The middle of nowhere, okay. <laughs> Prairie View, uh, between Houston and Dallas, uh-huh. kind of. Okay. Uh, North, East Texas
0: so in your mid northeast texas okay yeah that that makes sense so did you um were you exposed to the arts were you involved with creative uh life at that time during your childhood no i wasn't my father
2: was very creative and uh so i got my arts and my mother was a seamstress with five daughters she kind of had to be wow (laughs) and so my arts were more in-house my father liked to do artistic and creative things, uh, making our own Christmas cards to go on the front lawn that were huge, and productions like that, and working on cars and painting houses. And so I got my first taste of art through my father, but not much art was going on in the schools. There wasn't a theater department at the time. I think the first thing I ever saw was Maria Tallchief dancing as a ballerina in Houston.
0: Wow. When I was about 14 years old. That's amazing. <laughs> That's so cool. So how did you, what was your journey to getting involved in, in the arts then? Well, uh, hmm, good question. Uh, when I got
2: ready for college, I wanted to major in art because I thought at that point I wanted to be a painter. Mm. I was very good at uh, landscape drawing. Though I could sew and made most of my clothes, I didn't think of that because i didn't know about theater probably i didn't Mm. think of that as a way to get into the arts but my father didn't think that being a painter or that kind of an artist was suitable for a young woman so he told me that he would pay for my college education if i took education and became a teacher so i became an arts teacher
0: that's great uh,
2: k through 12. got my degree in arts education Moved away and did it for two years in New York and then uh, had a roommate, a young woman named Hazel Bryant who uh, started a musical theater in the late 60s in New York and she, hmm, she coerced me into doing posters and flyers first—not wow. coerced, but you know, yeah. her roommate.
0: Yeah, yeah, doing what? Yeah, just scraping it together. Do this for me, please. Yeah, yeah. Right.
2: and then uh, I started painting scenery on flats, or you know, making indications of where our little plays were. And then, then we both went to Brooklyn College to um, study more about what we were actually already doing. <laughs> It's awesome. And so we had a sort of a two year associate degree program that the Ford Foundation was sponsoring because there were a lot of little underground black theaters in New York. And we learned, I learned set design at that point and did mostly sets and then started dressing people just because I could. And then I decided that I wanted to go to graduate school at 36 years old wow. to learn to do what I was already doing.
0: <laughs> That's great. So where'd you go to graduate school?
2: Temple University in Philadelphia.
0: Very cool. And so you, what was your um, graduate degree in?
2: It's in uh, theater design, mm-hmm. uh, both sets and costumes. Wow. And that was an interesting experience because I was about the same age as most of the professors. The <laughs> students were college students, yeah. you know, just having great. gotten out of college. So I very intentionally asked to substitute some of the plays we were doing for black plays that I knew about at the time. Mm -hmm. Because most of my fellow students had not heard of them, they were not in the canon of uh, produced theater much, Mm -hmm. and I wanted my portfolio to represent what I was actually doing, what I was wanting to do. Mm -hmm. So I did that, they allowed me to do it, so every once in a while, actually every other play Oh, that's great. They let me do. And so then I had to read a synopsis for the students, my fellow students. They got to see what the play was about, and then they got to see my costume designs for it. Wow. And so it, it broadened their um, knowledge of uh, black theater. And that was kind of, you know, at 36, you know a little more about what you want to do <laughs> That's <really laughs> and mean. why.
0: Yeah. So did you, so did your mom teach you how to sew? Oh as yes, seems, she yeah. taught all
2: of us, but it stuck with me and one more. Really? I'm five.
0: Oh, that's <laughs> awesome. five girls.
2: That's incredible. I liked having clothes. I still do. <laughs> do you still sew your own clothes? I don't sew anymore. Yeah. You know, as a costume designer, you don't get to sew much. Graduate school, we sewed mm-hmm. and designed and hung lights and painted sets and, Slept on the floor in a pile of laundry and (laughs) (laughs) and never left the building. But uh, I haven't gotten a chance to sew since maybe, goodness, in the 70s. Wow, yeah. Yeah.
0: So tell us about your your life around that time as you were getting into production design and costume design and plays. It was theater, theater all the time. You
2: know, there were lots of little theaters like us and Mm. and bigger theaters like the Negro Ensemble Company and... uh, we you know did each other's shows and looked for jobs, and Hazel started a hmm she started a kind of a training program because we needed more people who could do the technical work, mm-hmm. and uh, at one point, I was a program director of that, wow, trying to figure out scheduling and what were the classes and finding the people who could teach it. Mm-hmm. I was immersed in theater then. I never actually looked back. <laughs> Just it was theater all the time
0: then. That's incredible. And so, what um, what was your next big move? So you were in New York and Philadelphia, and then what happened after graduate school?
2: Well, then I went back to New York and continued to do more theater and it expanded. There were more theaters to do mm-hmm. shows at and more opportunities. And by then, uh, my my. Uh, group of directors was bigger, so I knew more people mm-hmm. and they would ask me to work. You, you pretty much get, well, I pretty much get my jobs through directors. Mm, okay. They've worked with me, so they want to work with me again. Mm-hmm. Sometimes theaters know me because I've worked at their theaters, so then they will suggest me to a director if the director doesn't have somebody in mind to do the costumes. It becomes very, you know, it's a, not quite a club, but because you know each other and you're always in and out of each other's theaters and shows. It's just a community.
0: (laughs) Yeah, do you have one or two um, productions that stand out to you?
2: Oh goodness, I've done about 90 of them. So it's- amazing.
0: Yeah, my Rainey's Black
2: Bottom was particularly wonderful and that was just a few years ago. Oh wow. At the Writers' Theater in just north of Chicago, in Illinois. Mm I think actually they're going to show some footage of that uh, in the film that they do of my work. Okay. I think we were able to get a little bit of that. Ah, uh, what else? Oh, we took on um, a production. Well, a couple of productions of um, Langston Hughes' Christmas. I'm hmm, trying to remember the name of it now. Black Nativity.
0: Oh, cool. Black
2: yeah. Nativity. We took to Europe and all over Europe and even did a production for the Pope.
0: Oh, my goodness. That
2: was fascinating. Oh. That was fabulous. That was truck and bus, my first opportunity. Wow. To load up costumes, drag them on the bus, dress actors, yeah. get them on stages and move to another city. Wow. Only well, we did that once. <laughs> <laughs> About <laughs> twice, maybe. Once in Trinidad and once in Europe.
0: That's incredible. Really awesome. It was
2: fun. I was young. Yeah. It took a lot of energy.
0: Yeah. So did you get to meet the Pope? Yes. Wow. Yes, I did.
2: That's amazing. That Pope. I'm trying to remember which one that was. That was two Popes ago. Yeah. In the 70s, early 70s.
0: Yeah, I'm not sure, but that's yeah, actually, great. I'm I mean, that's sure. what a, a once-in-a-lifetime oh, opportunity. Yeah. That's and really
2: working cool. in those theaters. Working, uh, <laughs> that was a fascinating time.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Did you get to travel around a lot during that time? Were you just constantly on the road?
2: Yeah, for about two years, mm-hmm. because um, she, Hazel was able to get Black Nativity produced in Trinidad, wow. uh, and then in Europe, uh, all over France and Italy, and don't think we went to Spain, just France and Italy. But that was two or three weeks so of cool. just constant packing up, moving, opening the trunks again, dressing everybody, and moving to another spot. Wow. That was was fun. That's awesome.
0: This is Sarah Story, the Executive Director of the Mississippi Arts Commission. You are listening to the podcast version of the Mississippi Arts Hour. To have access to all Arts Hour interviews, subscribe to the podcast using your favorite podcasting app. You can also listen to the show on MPB Think Radio every Sunday afternoon at 5 p.m.
1: Deep South Dining is the show all about the culture of Southern flavor. From fried chicken and collard greens to shrimp and grits and a glass of sweet tea.
2: Subscribe now to the podcast using any podcast app or download our MPB
0: public media app. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. Welcome back to the Mississippi Arts Hour on Mississippi Public Broadcasting. I'm Sarah Storey, the Executive Director of the Mississippi Arts Commission. Today I'm visiting with Myrna Colley-Lee, an internationally known costume designer, philanthropist, arts advocate, and patron. Myrna is a recipient of our 2022 Governor's Arts Awards for excellent in costume design, and, and she is also an incredible arts patron. The Governor's Arts Awards will take place Thursday, February 10th, 2022 at the two Mississippi museums in downtown Jackson. So glad you're here with us today, Myrna. Good to be here. So before the break, we were talking about your incredible career of costume designing and traveling Europe and Philadelphia and New York and just being, sounds just like the most magical experience. (laughs) It was. It was the right time. At the right place. It,
2: it just was magic. That's That awesome. was true.
0: So let's transition a little bit and talk about your life in Mississippi. So now you live in uh, Charleston. So Charleston, tell, tell us a little bit about Charleston and, and your life there.
2: Mm, Charleston is a small town in uh, northeast, well, north mid-Mississippi. Mm-hmm. Uh, I moved there in the 90s and uh, became involved with the arts through the Mississippi Arts Commission. I actually got appointed to the board as a Delta representative. Uh, goodness, what year was that? It was 20 years ago, so. Wow. It was Governor Ronnie Musgrove that appointed me. And uh, played a lot of catch up for about a year and a half until I figured out what I was doing mm-hmm. or what that was about. Mm-hmm. Lots to learn. It's true. Uh, and uh, because of that, I've been all over the state and witnessed lots of arts programs and been involved in them, know the people who are involved with them. It's really enriched my life to just be involved with the MAC.
0: Mm -hmm. Well, we're just so grateful that you've been, you were a commissioner for that long. It's just incredible. 19, almost 20 years. That's awesome. So you know more about it than I do.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I've been through a lot of governors. (laughs) They just kept saying, okay, she can
0: stay. (laughs) That's awesome. Well, we're <coughs> great. We're very grateful for that. I am too. <laughs> so tell us a little bit about Charleston. So you are living there. You're in and out, but you've been able to develop some good roots through the uh, Charleston, Charleston. Arts, Arts yeah, Revitalization effort. Right.
2: Uh, Care is what the, it's CARE. anagrammed down that's to. Yeah. Uh, it's a uh, an organization that a group of us citizens uh, formed because there was a big bank building that was empty that would make a kind of a great artist center mm-hmm. right on the square. It's a town of about 3,600 people. Used to be a big timber center. Mm. They've cut down all the trees, so there's wow. no timber left to to uh, much. Not much tim- timber left. Mm-hmm. Um, I had an organization. I started a foundation at one point called uh, Sun Edna Foundation that... Uh, gave aid to writers, especially playwrights at that point, or or lyricists, Mm -hmm. and brought a lot of the playwrights there. We used the CARE building, the Charleston Arts Building, to have classes, had after-school classes for kids. Uh, Did a little theater, let them do some writing. Enjoyed all of that. Several plays were written, a couple of books, through my foundation. Forgot to mention that to you.
0: That's awesome, Mm -hmm. that's so cool.
2: It was an organization that ended up being funded by Mac for a while too.
0: Oh, great. Mm -hmm. So did you, um, what was that like teaching theater, working with different folks in the Delta? Was this new to them? Was this exposing them to theater? What was that like? Yes,
2: it was, and it was more exposing them to the of writing for theater Mm -hmm. Uh, we got children to write about we tried to teach them what a dramatic incident was Mm -hmm. or what a a moment is that they could uh, describe in a dramatic way and to read dramatically and we had readings that uh, authors who would come down to workshop with them would do so they got exposed to the process of writing more than actually doing plays that's great. We didn't get to do plays much. Mm-hmm.
0: I bet that was really so transformative for those kids to be able to learn how to express themselves. I hope it was. Yeah. Uh, that's
2: a very necessary, you know, personal writing, journal keeping, mm-hmm. um, finding the drama in a moment that would excite other people to hear about it. That's mm-hmm. all a, a really worthy process and fun for kids, Yeah, you know, because... Uh, They don't think of theater as that at first. You know, they just see it as acting. They don't know what acting is. uh, Depending on their background, they think of it as lying. Oh, yeah, (laughs) that's so funny, right? Because it's not true, you know, you're you're making it up. But it is a a great exercise in in imagination, in bringing your imagination to fruition, sharing it with somebody else, storytelling. Mm-hmm, that's
0: so neat. So what... um, what surprised you about traveling around the state? Did you get to meet just all sorts of different people? I'm always, I'm surprised every trip I take.
2: Oh, me too. Um, it, with the Mac, we went everywhere, just all over, to theaters, to museums, to schools that were having dance programs, and, and uh, poetry out loud was very connected to that. And it just uh, expanded my knowledge of what goes on in the, in the state theater-wise. Still haven't worked in Mississippi as a theater (laughs) designer and would like to. We'll see if that ever
0: happens. I think that would be amazing. It would be. Yes. It would be fun. That would be so cool. So you are still working, which is incredible. You're just working. You mentioned two projects earlier. So what are you going to tell us a little bit more about those that you're working on now? Sure. Um,
2: I'm going to be working in April and May at the Alabama Shakespeare Festival. Uh, in Montgomery. Wow. And the name of the play is Freedom Rider and it's uh, newly written about the experience of the Freedom Rider uh, bus tours that came through the South to integrate Greyhound bus terminals and to well to integrate but Greyhound Mm -hmm. bus terminals I think it mostly was. Uh, That's gonna be exciting. I'm in the design in designing phase of that now. So my studio is in Charleston. Oh, wow. So that's where I do all the putting it together work. Mm-hmm. And then I go to the theaters to to, actu- you know, to actually realize the show.
0: Wow, yeah, what is that process like? So a, co- a director contacts you, what, and then what happens?
2: Uh, I get sent the script, and uh, I decide whether I want to do it or not. But usually it's a director that I know, mm-hmm. or a director, who knows a director that I know. And uh, then when I want to do it, we decide on you know, the time frame. Well, they have already decided. I have to get in contact with the production coordinators, find out the budget, figure out how much I can spend on the costumes, mm-hmm. figure out if it's a period or not, or if it's a period if we have to build things, or if I can find them by shopping. Then they do casting. We figure out who the actors are. Then I get measurements. Then we meet when they do the first readout. But at that point, I have already figured out what they look like Mm. from how they're written Mm -hmm. without considering who's wearing the costumes. Wow. Hmm. Uh, That's so interesting. And that's just the beginning of it. Then when we get there, the first, meet and greet is a read-through of the script with all the actors that have been chosen and all the technical people sitting around in the room so you get to watch the people that you're about to dress and you learn a little more about them Mm
1: -hmm.
2: because you're seeing you know other than a photograph you're Mm -hmm. hearing their voices you're watching how they function so then you're constantly checking to see if what you've designed is going to work on them And sometimes I'm lucky enough to be able to stay at the theater for a a period of time during the rehearsals. Those are the best because then if you watch rehearsal and you watch them work, you begin to notice things they will need or things that you've designed that they don't need. Mm. (laughs) You know, because it's too much, too many layers, too much stuff, Mm -hmm. or that they need something personal that they'll ask you for, like they feel like they want to wear glasses or they want to smoke a pipe. Mm. or need a handkerchief or a pocket watch rather than a, a wrist watch. You know, things to personalize it so mm-hmm. that they can uh, so they can feel like they own the part, that they are the person. And that's my whole job anyway, is to help them understand who the person is and to show that person.
0: Wow. That's and pretty address cool. that person. Yeah. So do you have just tons of costumes and fabric and props <laughs> or does it change with oh, every no. show how does that work that's with the theaters. The, the theaters theaters have that
2: they have prop departments they have costume stock Wow uh, and then we rent from other theaters theaters are beginning to share a lot now mm-hmm. and if it's something very specific then we have to build it and wow. so then I have to research it draw it they have to, I have to shop for fabrics then they have to make it and we have fittings you know, all of this is going on while they're rehearsing. Wow. Yeah. So their job is nothing but that show. Right. For four to six weeks before it happens.
0: Amazing. And so you're there the entire... T- Not usually. Oh, I come no, 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 in okay. at the beginning, watch okay. all that, uh-huh. and
2: the shop begins to do what they have to do, either mm-hmm. from the pulled costumes, mm-hmm. they do fittings, they make sure it works, they open it, let it out, take it in, mm-hmm. build it. And then I come back in the middle to just check up and see if that's going all right or if anything's changed or if they need something. And then at the end, I come back for technical rehearsals, which are about four or five days of the grind. (laughs) Wow. The lights, the sound, putting it all together, them wearing the costumes, us seeing them on stage, the director liking it, hating it, (laughs) whatever (laughs) happens, Then you know, it's all... Very fluid then.
0: So, is it a lot? Is a lot of back and forth between you and the director mainly, or how? Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. That's, That's
2: the first, my first point of contact mm. as a director. Mm. They have ideas, or some of them have none. Mm. They don't visualize it like that. They mm. leave it to me. Which can be interesting.
0: What do you prefer? Do you have a prefer way?
2: No, I like people. Well, hmm. <laughs> let me not say that. <laughs> <laughs> I prefer if they have an idea of what they want it to look Mm -hmm. like if they have a strong sense of color that they want because it's very stylized Mm -hmm. or then I want to know that early because I would hate to go down the road of making something happen and then they want something different right (laughs) some don't see it visually they're busier with what it sounds like and how they move and You know, they trust me to dress them the way I'm seeing fit. Mm -hmm. Some don't know until they see it whether they like it or not. Those are the hardest.
0: (laughs) Yeah, that's tough because then you have to... Then if they
2: don't like it, then, you know, you really have to... But, you know, I work with directors that I've worked with for a long time. So I know them. They know me. And we talk a lot during Mm -hmm. the design process.
0: Do you have theaters that you go, that you work at? Yes. over and over
2: again sure yeah oh a lot
0: what wow. are some of your um
2: most cleveland, frequent hmm, cleveland playhouse uh-huh uh, crossroads theater in new jersey cool. um did seattle a couple of times oh wow
0: this is sarah story the executive director of the mississippi arts commission you are listening to the podcast version of the mississippi arts hour To have access to all Arts Hour interviews, subscribe to the podcast using your favorite podcasting app. You can also listen to the show on MPB Think Radio every Sunday afternoon at 5 p.m. contractor ever tell you the price of something and it sounds so high you think, "Eh, maybe I'll try it myself. Some jobs just aren't that difficult and yes, you can do it. If you want to find out how
1: to do those things, listen to Fix It 101, podcast everywhere.
0: This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. Welcome back to the Mississippi Arts Hour on MPB Think Radio. I'm Sarah Story, the Executive Director of the Mississippi Arts Commission. Today I'm visiting with Myrna colley Lee an internationally known costume designer and she is our one of our recipients for the 2022 governor's arts awards for excellence in costume design and arts patron so glad you're here myrna (laughs) good to be back so we were talking before the break about your product the productions you're working on right now and you mentioned that it, it may be um traveling Uh, Well, the one
2: in Alabama, at Alabama Shakespeare, is called Freedom Riders. It takes place in about 1960, 61, in the South. The college students all over the country who came together riding buses to integrate Greyhound bus stations uh, all through the South. Um, It's happening April and April and May, it opens early May. Uh, My work is March, April. And um, Mm. then the other one is um, at the Utah Shakespeare Festival, and that's June, May and June. Mm. Uh, And it's uh, a show that just premiered on Broadway, called Trouble in Mind, written by Alice Childress. And uh, that was the first time it was done it on Broadway, uh, though it was slated to be done on Broadway in 1957, it was going to be <coughs> the first production of her play uh, before *Raising in the Sun*. But because she wouldn't change the ending, it didn't happen. Wow! And so it finally happened. What 19? What is this now? 2022? Two. Well, it was 2021. Oh, 22. Oh. Yes, right at the end, Christmas. Oh, wow. <coughs> Uh, they're doing it at the uh, Utah Shakespeare Festival, and uh, I'm designing that one also. Awesome. And it takes place in 1957-58. So, so the costumes that I'm researching are, for both plays, are around the same time span, but two different groups of people. College students on one hand for the Freedom Riders and professional actors on stage in a Broadway show dressed you know to the nines. Wow. (laughs) Dressed like professional people.
0: That's really cool. So you know everything about that era. Oh
2: goodness plus
0: (laughs) I was a teenager at the time
2: (laughs) so I knew everything about that era anyway.
0: Did you do you ever pull out pictures of of your life? I just
2: hauled out my yearbook to look at it to see the college students because there's one actress one character in The Trouble in Mind that is a college just fresh out of college. Wow. And she uh all of my classmates and I were wearing what she wore is wearing oh that's so cool remember well you're not old enough to remember Pendleton plaid skirts with the pleats oh yeah well, that was all the rage at the time oh,
0: that's so <laughs> funny that's
2: great and I found the pictures the proof
0: oh that's also awesome.
2: myself included <laughs> wow
0: that's great well that's really cool that you get to relive some of those through mm-hmm. place mm-hmm. through design
2: I have used my own clothes.
0: <laughs> oh, really?
2: That's so <laughs> Sometimes, neat. Sometimes, you know, when you work in uh, regional theater, especially in the early years, we didn't have big budgets. Mm. You begged, borrowed, and stole everything you could find, uh-huh. you know.
0: That's awesome. So
2: things came from home. And, well, actors wore them, and then you took them back home. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's so neat. That's so cool. So tell us a little bit about, you've been in theater for... For a while now just really ingrained how has theater changed over the years what have you witnessed or noticed
2: I've noticed partnerships Mm -hmm. Uh, productions are joint productions now because regional theaters are not-for-profit and ticket sales can't be like Broadway right you know uh, they cannot support a production fully from ticket sales even though regional theaters have patronage with subs- subscription audiences which helps a lot um, so they've begun to do two theaters will do a joint partnership, a joint production the one that I'm doing at Alabama Shakespeare will also be jointly done with Crossroads Theater in New Jersey uh, the Freedom Rider piece oh, That's great. and so it will start in Alabama run a full six weeks run and then move to Crossroads and do another six-week run. Mm. Uh, I have to be fully participant in the first one, and then in the second one, I just have to show up for tech rehearsal and make sure that everything's the way it should be.
0: So they use the same actors, actresses? They try to. Okay. You know, some yeah.
2: people might get a movie or a television commercial and aren't able to do it, and Lord knows with COVID, what'll happen? Right. Right. So, yes, hopefully they can just transfer the whole production Mm -hmm. that would help a lot yeah for everybody concerned right otherwise I have to find a new costume for a new actor
0: oh unless they
2: fit the same size
0: okay yeah so do they do they generally resize them or do you have to do a whole new costume depends on on the actor
2: you know because they're not gonna cast the actor because they fit the clothes right (laughs) they're Mm -hmm. gonna cast them because they can do the part Mm -hmm. they may or may not fit the clothes Mm. yeah so then i have to make it look as much as possible like what the character should look like right so the show stays intact mm-hmm.
0: <coughs> yeah that's interesting i never thought about that before
2: yeah there's a lot of
0: <laughs> a lot of details a lot of
2: details <laughs> it's a very detail-oriented discipline
0: mm-hmm. so what has your what has your life been like during the pandemic did everything halt like what happened oh, in your world actually theaters tried very hard to
2: do zoom productions Mm -hmm. that some people had more success than others with that with actors in their own homes reading their parts and so the production values were noticeably different it was more like it kind of supported readers theater Mm -hmm. but it tried you know and then um, protocols the mask wearing for the whole audience the, the proof that you've been vaccinated to buy tic- to get tickets and be in the audience mm-hmm. so that the actors could be without masks mm-hmm. on the stage the sometimes not having people seated in the first row mm-hmm. so that the public is not as close to the actors mm-hmm. testing the actors daily when they come in you know it's just it's been hard but they've been trying Yeah, because otherwise it's a whole lot of people with no work Right, <laughs> a right. whole lot of people all the technical people Right, so they had to Make a way. You know. Mm -hmm. Um, Design wise, I actually, the show that's happening in Alabama, I got and was in New York, March of 2020. Oh wow. When I had to leave, they had to shut down the show the day before rehearsal. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of picking up where it left off with that show, but not with the same actor. Well, not necessarily with the same actors. I don't actually know who the cast is yet. Mm.
0: So everything got pushed back.
2: Just on hold, and then that's when they formed the partnership with Alabama. Crossroads is where I was going to do it at first. Okay. Now it's Alabama and Crossroads. Mm. So partnerships, that's how theaters have changed, uh, regional theaters have changed. Mm -hmm. They do joint productions a lot. They've probably tried to increase their subscription audiences a lot. Mm -hmm. Um, Sure, they've tried to figure out every kind of grant that they could Possibly get from whoever. Mm-hmm. Um, the protocols of mask wearing, you know, just, it's a different world. Yeah. All of our production meetings are now on Zoom. Wow. We used to fly into the theater to have uh, the f- original design meeting. We uh-huh. do that on Zoom now. Wow. Uh, I think they're casting on Zoom. So an actor now has to present themselves with their. They have to buy tripods, have their phones available and tape themselves doing monologues and whatever else you do Mm. to get a part. It's changed a lot.
0: Do you think a lot of that will stay? Do you think that? Probably, it's uh, cheaper. Yeah,
2: right. (laughs) Yes, uh, more cost effective, totally. Mm -hmm. So in some ways, the things that are being learned in the pandemic will serve regional theaters pretty well, I think.
0: Cost savings. Yes
2: flying everybody in, you know, and now they only do it at the last moment or only the very necessaries. I have not gone to either of the theaters to look at their costume stock yet. Mm -hmm. But when I go this time to Alabama, I'm staying for a whole week and a half. Oh, wow, yeah. And I go six days before the actors get there, so I'm pretty sure that's so I can go through the costume stock and pick out what I want and, Mm -hmm. you know, start the work that I would have done differently Mm -hmm. in a protected environment and then they show up so
0: yeah they've they've, they're learning how to do it so do you when you get there do you go in by yourself and do all that do you have a team that works with you how does that I
2: have a team that works with me for design and research Mm -hmm. and uh, they the all the theaters have costume shops Mm. and they have shoppers and people that drive me around if I need to buy things and Etsy and and uh, so much is being able to be bought online now you don't have to go shopping at stores Mm -hmm. anymore thrift stores are even online now yeah so the world has changed you can pick up a phone in a costume shop and have things sent and you can send them back Mm -hmm. if they don't work you know to some places right like zappos for instance for shoes we can order six pairs of whatever we think we want the actor in he tries them on the ones that work we keep they send the rest of them back and they just have an entire department that makes that happen so there's lots of support yeah and then I have my own support uh, at home at my studio for copy uh, and printing and gluing and you know just all the stuff i have to do to make the renderings Mm. and Mm. to transfer all the information that i have to transfer to the people in the costume shops wigs hair makeup
0: all that that's awesome yeah so cool so tell us a little bit so you um you collect too you collect (laughs) uh what art and costumes art
2: and costumes my costume collection is at mississippi state they have it um cataloged beautifully and local uh, student productions can use the costumes wow. and community theaters can use them and it's online. And uh, you know, it, it. I used to collect costumes that, that I got to keep. Most of the time, costumes belong to the theaters though. Mm, really, okay. Yeah, yeah. Uh, or they've rented them and they ship them back mm. and so mm. nobody gets to keep them. If they build things, then they own it. Wow. Uh, sometimes they have uh, let me borrow things if it's a production they're not going to do again or it fits an actor they don't need again. I've gotten a couple of costumes from shows I've done that are at Mississippi State. That's great. And are exhibited often. Uh, you asked me another part to that question. And then
0: you collect art. You ah, art. I collect, collect visual art. art. Yeah. Yes,
2: I do a lot of visual art, Most, a lot of which is at the Mississippi Museum of Art. Hanging on the walls at the moment in the Mississippi story. That's great. Uh, five or six pieces. I live with some.
0: Mm-hmm. What, how did you get into collecting art?
2: Oh, goodness. I've done that since before graduate school. Oh, I just, wow. you know, buy fellow students' art, yeah. and then as I made more money, I bought more expensive art. And it just, it grows.
0: It's a habit, you know. Yeah. yeah, it's fun. Do you go to art fairs, art galleries, or do you just?
2: It was galleries, uh-huh. sometimes personally knowing the artist. The yeah. uh, fair is not so much because uh, that really <laughs> can fill up your house. Oh, yeah, <laughs> that's true. <laughs> I, I have to have had to learn to be disciplined about it. Mm.
0: Yeah, that's really neat. So do you have um, parameters around the type of art that you collect now or type of artist, or do you? Actually, I have a lot of uh, Harlem Renaissance artists
2: um, and uh, quite a few Mississippi artists. Um, It's African diaspora art for the most part. Um, The ones at Mississippi, I have Randy Hayes. I have uh, Romare Bearden. I have... That's great you know, there's a, I guess there is a kind of a theme to it. Yeah. <laughs>
0: yeah. That's so cool. That's yeah. awesome. Well, um, so tell us a little bit about what else you're involved in now. So what are their um, nonprofits, projects, etc. Well,
2: I'm on the board of the Mississippi Arts Museum. I mean, Mississippi Mus- Museum of Art. Mm-hmm. I'm also on the Acquisitions Committee there. So. Great. I have two functions there, uh, so I'm there a lot, yeah, um Charleston Arts revitalization effort is still functioning. Uh, I That's had great. a couple of exhibits that I got from Mississippi State. Oh, cool, to come through there. Um, I think I've also exhibited my costume work at the care building. oh great, once or maybe twice. Um, local artists exhibit there. I don't do my costume designs within that Mm -hmm. because it's usually so specific to a play that you kind of have to know more about it to, well maybe not to appreciate it, but it just doesn't stand alone as as art without the theater. At least I never saw it as standing alone. Right. That's so cool.
0: can't think of what else. I'm busy all the time. I know. You're just constantly <laughs> going well, I like states. I like
2: to keep busy and I like to travel.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's great. And your, but your home, I just think it's so cool that you've made your home in Charleston. Such a beautiful little.
2: Yeah. It's, and I
0: have a great house and it's got a three room studio. It's awesome. That uh, I've got all set up. So, you know, it's heaven. <laughs> yeah. That's so it's great. my other heaven. <laughs> so are there any projects that um, you have always dreamed of working on that you haven't <laughs> been able to do yet? Yes. Painting. Oh.
2: I have uh, ideas for turning some of my renderings into actual paintings. Wow. Because some of the characters are so fully realized that I think they would stand alone as portraits. Yeah. Fantasy portraits kind of. Uh Uh-huh. You know because they're a figment of someone else's imagination plus my imagination. Right. So I think they could be interesting you know in my spare time yes. <laughs> i get to do that
0: <laughs> that's great did mm-hmm. you um have you pa- have you been a painter before do you paint? Well, I,
2: my renderings are watercolors right. uh i've done some um acrylic and a little oil because of grad school yeah but i haven't had a chance to do it that's awesome you know costume design is very detailed and very uh it takes up a lot of time mm-hmm. when i'm doing it mm-hmm so I don't get to do anything that I would call my art. It's all in service of the chef.
1: Thanks for listening
0: to this MPB Think Radio podcast. MPB depends on support from listeners, so if you can, please contribute today at mpbonline.org.